Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. I have been moving about the country, seeing what I could see. These maroons are worth a year's study in themselves. They are the descendants of men who fought their way to freedom from slavery. They still govern themselves and pay no taxes or any other tribute to England. I have made friends there and secured permission to live among the maroons of the West for as long as I like. The people here are beginning to like me a lot. They now seek me out to tell me things. Now, a potter is making me a set of native dishes. I am panting to get back into the mountains with the maroons so that I can witness that marvelous conch shell ceremony that begins with an echo on a far-off mountain and lasts for three days. The sound and echo begin at midnight, and gradually the god is brought into the village from the mountain. No white person has ever witnessed it, and less than five persons outside of the tribe have done so. Jamaica has yielded some surprising things. Sincerely yours. Zora Hurston. Mm. Oh, all of the good nuggets in this documentary, including this, her time with folk in the chain gang, her time with Cujo Lewis, uh, the last man who was uh, talked to, who came on that last ship that brought people in bondage to the new world. Without this woman, we wouldn't know a lot of things about voodoo, uh, the truth of voodoo and what happened in Haiti because she literally went in them streets, them highways and byways and them hills and mountains and talked to human beings about their experiences in a way that nobody else could. Let me welcome to the show. She is the director, producer, and writer of American Experience Presents, Zora Neale Hurston, claiming a space. Tracy Heather Strain, welcome to the Karen Hunter Show. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm delighted to talk with you today. Listen, um, the work that you do, usually, you know, folk like you are in their own heads, head down, doing the work. Uh, You're not out there like, look at me, because there's so much to do. Walk us through how you landed on Zora Neale Hurston. When was the first time you were introduced to her? And what was the burning thing in your soul to make you do this? So I am... I've been a documentary filmmaker for some time. I got into it uh, starting at the bottom, you know, answering phones years ago, decades ago. And uh, and I made a film that premiered at the Toronto Film Festival in 2017 called Sighted Eyes, Feeling Heart. And it was the first, it's the first feature film about Lorraine Hansberry. It's a documentary. And from what I, they tell me at American Experience, um, they liked it so much. And when Cameo George, the executive director, uh, producer decided that they wanted to do a film on Zora Neale Hurston focusing on her anthropological journey or that included her anthropological journey, they thought I would be a good fit. And so she called me up one day, I was in the grocery store. Apparently she was out exercising and she decided to call me and said, would you be interested in doing a film about Zora Neale Hurston? And so of course I'm like, yes, yes. I would love to do a film about Zora Neale Hurston. And this was really wonderful for me because frankly speaking at that time, because as you said, I've been having my head down working on stuff. I didn't have the time uh, to explore Zora Neale Hurston. Of course I'd heard of her. I don't remember the exact day when I heard about Zora Neale Hurston, but I didn't grow up at an age when you studied her in school like students do now. Um, Like I hadn't studied Hansberry in school either. 
Mm. Uh, but I it was she was on my list. I we had two copies of Their Eyes Were Watching God in our house, but I hadn't read them, and I knew about. I was alive and you know old enough to remember when Alice Walker brought her back into the spotlight in the 70s. So this was a perfect opportunity as someone who is making documentaries focused on American history, often focusing on the African-American experience or something to do with race, to have and have had just done a Lorraine Hansbury to get this chance was something, of course, I couldn't pass up. Mm. I'm, uh, I'm going to assume that you have read Their Eyes Were Watching God, which is one of my favorite books of all time. I, I have, and I listened to Ruby Dee's rendition, Oof. the audio version. And if you, and if you haven't listened to Ruby Dee reading this book, I recommend you get the, on that right away because it's really powerful. Uh, and it really was emotional in a way that I felt like reading I liked, but this just brought it home for me. What about it? What about the book? Because, you know, we have, of course, of course, Toni Morrison and Alice Walker and Gloria Naylor. And there's it, a lot of people that speak to the experience. Uh, Maya Angelou, on, you know, in a, from a very personal perspective of, of what particularly black women go through. Um, this book was so empowering because, you know, it's a black incorporated town. You know, this woman's coming through with all of this verve and, you know, taking agency of herself, her body, you know, um, mm-hmm. it is, it is so, so for you reading Trace, Tracy, Tracy Heather strain is here reading this book, uh, their eyes were watching God. What, what did you walk away with knowing about Zora Neale Hurston? Well, first of all, I was really attracted to this, the young girl who was yearning and, and she wanted things. And I felt like I could identify with that, you know? A lot of times the internal feelings of young black women are not included in, you know, in our conversations, you know, off um, and often we are presented as older than we are in, in, in public and media and the way we're often treated. And I just really found that she, she had something inside of her that was drawing her to to seek out new adventures, to to uh, to leave where she was, and I I just found that bold and interesting. Plus, I love the dialect that I love the way that Zora Neale Hurston had all these different characters speaking the way they spoke. Like, so everyone wasn't speaking exactly the same. Each character had their own way of speaking, and I appreciated that. And and then if you add the there as we talk about in the documentary, the sort of gender analysis, the racial now, it's all in there, even though some people dismissed it at the time. Uh, I, I like how it's, it's, it's not hitting it on that nose in a certain way. You're, you, it's there, but it's a, a part of this journey of discovery. It's actually a story, right? A, a woman coming back to tell her friend about where she was and what happened to her. In fact, when I got to the end, I was like, oh, right. She's on the porch talking to her 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 best friend, and um, and I love the porch as a metaphor throughout Zora Hurston's life, starting with her own childhood. So, this really fascinating mixture of memory, her research, her uh, things that happened to people she knew. I I just it's just a wonderful wonderful book. Watching your documentary, I was also sad. Um woman born 1891 
poverty, Alabama, I'm sure a lot of trauma, a lot of trauma, being as brilliant as free of spirit. You know, I, I'm somebody like Zora Neale Hurston where I, you know, I can't imagine being handcuffed, roped in, hung out to dry in 1891 with all of this and not having a place for it. The fact that she's not known as one of the greatest anthropologists of our time because of degrees, right? Again, we're, we're examining the school system today and I'm saying something much deeper than, Oh, it's horrible that DeSantis is removing these things from it or the AP is not allowing Ta-Nehisi Coates to be read. I'm saying, what is education? I'm asking you fundamentally, why do you send your children to school? What is it that you expect? And if it doesn't service and honor them, because Orno Hurston was not honored and serviced in a way, but she found her space. She was able to find her voice, even though she died with no grave marking. Much like Ed Boucher died penniless and sad. But today we talk her name, right? So getting to know her in that way, you know, as a documentarian, um, Tracy Heather Strain, what what revelations did you come to? I was inspired by Zorno Hurst. I, I feel like when I have my little complaints about things or troubles, I I now have someone to go back to and say, keep it in perspective, Tracy, because Zorno look what Zora Neale Hurston went through and what she was still uh, able to accomplish. Not to say that it was fair or appropriate. It shouldn't, the journey should not be that hard. That's, I'm not like admiring that part of it, but I think it helps keep me in check. And I, and I think that she is a model for someone who, when she just was single-minded, she was going to get, out there and try to tell these stories and and bring black lives the richness the beauty uh the significance of black lives to the attention of people inside and outside of the academy and when she didn't get grants when she didn't get what she needed in the academy she kept trying and i think that we all have to always keep trying fighting systems fighting for our education, fighting. It's unfortunate, but that's, that's, that's what we have to take on to uh, continue to do the things we want to do in this society, the way it exists now, mm. or it has existed for some time. I, I asked, all, the time. Uh, all the time. I asked Dr. Uh, Chris Jones, who is a rocket scientist uh, and stands on the shoulder of Ed Boucher. Like what did a, a man do with a PhD in physics in 1870 in the 1870s? And what does Azora Neale Hurston do with this anthropological, you know, yearning in a place? So she had to get money from somebody, right? And the the benefactor, Charlotte Osgood Mason, who you forced me to look up, because uh, I'm like, who is this white lady who was funding something that Zora Neale Hurston was like, yeah, I know you're giving me this money to do that, but um, yeah, you're not getting that. I'm going to give you something, but what you're not going to do is defile my people and you're not going to pay me to do it. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm going to take your money, but I'm not going to deliver what you really want. Talk a little bit about that because some would look at that as, you know, she wasn't quite honest or whatever. And she was, you know, very, very cheeky. And, and she was, you know, she knew how to navigate white mm-hmm. power spaces and make them comfortable enough. Um, some would say that's dishonest. So everybody who's doing any kind of work has to raise money, right? So you white, black, otherwise. And Zora Neale Hurston's operating in a time when 
the it was so overt anti-blackness was so overt and here you have a handful of people that are supporting black artists writers and so i feel like i cannot fault zora neale hurston for accepting the money because she wanted to she knew that she didn't go down south the right in the first time and do it right she wanted to get back there and get these stories get this folklore so that she could bring out the richness and and st- and show that african americans were significant contributors to american society and there was nothing wrong with southern rural folk people you know and uh and um so she had to put up with this woman who was interested in the primitive and obsessed she somehow, the way hey, the way with the way hold on the way people go to the jungle <laughs> to look at animals and to capture animals the way they put us in zoos right this was her fascination right because we're we're primitive and go ahead talk i'm sorry because well yeah no 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 it's okay it's like something that they think that it was something that she thought that couldn't make white society better but i feel like we see evidence this is still happening in certain ways of like appropriation of cultures and mysticisms and taking somehow it's going to make our lives more calm and peaceful and zen like because we'll be closer to nature you know it, it's still happening on certain levels but back then it was uh, uh i don't know it, it was a more select group of people that were it seemed to be pro, uh, following this but she had a really complicated relationship with this woman on the one hand it seems clear based on her letters that she did appreciate Charlotte Osgood Mason. We wouldn't have the beautiful photography, this move, motion picture photography that is in the film if Charlotte Osgood Mason hadn't given her $200 a month, a motion pick money for a motion picture camera, a car, Come right? On. This we wouldn't so not only we wouldn't have this this beautiful material and so we have there's 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 a there's that positive part, but she she did have to na- navigate this. And there's some letters that we didn't put in the film that it seems like Zora actually went over a little went a little overboard to try to make sure that she was deferential to Charlotte Osgood Mason. But I I try not to judge her too much because she's no we we not we're we're not we cannot judge her at all because I none of us could even imagine what it would take to this is your life and your livelihood and your living and this is burning your soul to its core to do and this is the way you have to do it because no one's just giving money to black people to elevate black culture right and this woman was on her own since pretty much since 13 like she had to learn how to navigate this world from 13 on pretty much by herself and as she has said in her autobiography, she's not telling everybody all her business. So we don't really know what she went through during some of her lifetime um, until she lands in Baltimore when she changes her age so she can go to high school. Look at that. Uh, somebody just got arrested for doing that uh, recently. But listen, <laughs> if you want to go to school, you got to be a teenager. Zora Neale Hurst is like black, no crack. I'm a teenager. Just teach me everything. I, I love it, by the way. I, I was sad with her relationship with Langston Hughes, who's today, today's his birthday. We just played a poem written by him, uh, spoken by him on the air before you came on. They were best of friends and then they were not. Yeah, what, it's, a compli- it's a complicated story and that it's, 
you actually have to read like there's there's a chapter you have to read like a whole chapter to sort of understand it but the short version is uh they were working on a play secretly like they both were supported by charlotte osgood mason and they were they were supposed to be doing an opera together but then they secretly were working on this play that was based on hurston's writings and it just got complicated with credit and and different things and Zora was angry Langston was angry and basically their relationship severed and there's somehow Charlotte Osgood Mason played a role in this she had actually already stopped supporting Langston Hughes she was already mad at him and so I wouldn't be surprised if part of it was Zora trying to make sure she also kept her benefactor right Mm -hmm. yeah so it's 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 sad because they were each other's confidant and Mm -hmm. she shared we wouldn't really know much about her some of her her field work without the letters that she wrote to him about mm. the details of things that she was finding. I, I'm gonna need us not to fall out over white people stuff, y'all. Uh, no matter what, don't don't let's stop fighting over crumbs that they're gonna put out there for us to fight over and always understand the mission. That said, um, Tracy Heather Strain, the the videos, the 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 camera work, the letters. I'm, I was an English major and in love with Zora Neale Hurston's writings. And I was just, Ooh, how did you get this? How'd you get all of this? We did a lot of research. Uh, we started the project like we do all our documentaries with, we read secondary sources. So those are books about Zora Neale Hurston. And then we actually do something I never did in college. I was look at the footnotes and figure out and locate what, where they got that information from. So then we went to all the archives that, you know, I different things came from, different quotes. And we just, we have a big database where we keep track of everything. And then you start, since I knew it was a film that was going to be focused on wedding anthropology with the uh, literary, literary, that I knew I was driving to that their eyes were watching God moment. So then you kind of work backwards. What do you need to know to make this moment really mm-hmm. special? And, uh, and so you need to know Eatonville, you know, there's just certain things you need to yes. know. And then I was blessed with, a, you know, a, an animator who was get, you know, understanding what I wanted to like, try to explain. I also had to put, I had to explain anthropology to a certain extent, right? Because you wouldn't understand what she went through if you didn't understand what was going on with anthropology, even before she was involved. So you understood Boaz's significance, Franz Boaz's significance, That's her right. mentor, Thank you. And then and then you needed to understand the problems with anthropology to understand why it was so difficult for her. I mean, there were other black anthropologists. So there were some other men that were at, at Columbia at the time that were black, but they weren't having no one was having real careers. Right. Mm, obviously, um, you did a masterful job. I'm highly critical of of documentaries. Wait a minute, Smith. I'm highly critical, but you have done something that I think is uh, just masterful uh, in presenting your Zora Neale Hurston to the world. And uh, I want you to come back with your next one and your next one and your next one. Tracy Heather Strain, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate talking with you. Have a great day. You too. You too, y'all. Uh, American Experience presents Zora Neale Hurston claiming a space on PBS. Check that out. It is uh, amazing. If you don't know who she is, you're going to find out. 
Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to The Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.